welcome to this week's energy show. Now this week we're going to be talking about upgrading your rooftop or ground mount solar system. Now this is kind of unusual. We're not appealing to everybody. We're appealing to, you know, a good 5 or 10% of the people in many neighborhoods that already have solar and are thinking about increasing the capacity of their solar system. They may want to add more panels because their electrical needs have gone up. You are thinking about removing really old panels. I mean, heck, stuff installed before the 2000 or so really is kind of close to the end of its life. You might want to replace those and install new panels. You may want to upgrade your inverter. The inverters typically have a lifespan of 10 to 12 years and you know they may need to get replaced. You may be doing a big house renovation, adding on a, an addition, where you're doing what we call a removal and replace, which means you're putting in a new roof. And you got to take the solar off the roof to put the new roof on, then put the solar back. Or, and this is the most common reason why people are upgrading, is they're adding battery storage. So, you know, in the solar industry, a lot has changed over the past 20 years. I kind of looked back and, and said, gee, you know, what was the technology that we were installing back in 2001? All right. Solar panel efficiency back then was 13 to 14%. And right now, I'd say average efficiency is around 20%. There's some panels that are close to 22%. Inverter efficiency has gone up, heck, by about the same amount. Typical inverter efficiency you know, 20 years ago was about 92 93%. Now, most inverters are 98 or 99%. You know, Don't believe anybody that says they have 100% efficiency. I actually saw somebody that was claiming that. Now, uh, monitoring right now is pretty much standard on systems. It was really complicated back in the day 20 years ago. You had to run a serial cable connected to your computer, a special little carb. You know, it's more standard now, but candidly, it's still complicated. Monitoring is our biggest cause of customer service inquiries. Uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, the rooftop equipment is all black now. There was a nice transition from white clear framed aluminum shiny frames on the modules to black. The racking is black. Even the back sheets, that's the plastic that's behind the solar cells behind the glass, that's black. So you have panels that look all black, which blends in a lot better to a roof. And perhaps most significantly, battery storage systems are out. They're fully automatic. They're not based on lead-acid batteries that had a, a shorter life and that needed maintenance. They're more reliable, and you know the batteries from major companies have 10-year warranties. Those are solid warranties. So let's consider some of the popular upgrades that solar customers are looking into. First one, adding more panels. Now, it makes good economic sense if you still have a big true-up bill. The true-up bill is, is kind of at the end of the year, the utility figures out how much money you still owe them. Maybe it's a few hundred dollars, maybe it's a few thousand. Heck, if it's up around a few thousand dollars, you're probably in time still in the higher rate tiers, and it might make sense to add panels. And the other thing, one thing's for certain, besides death and taxes, is electricity is going to get more and more expensive. That's a trend that hasn't stopped. All right, so it makes sense to add more panels. Now, obviously, you have to have enough roof space to add panels. And keep in mind also that the investment tax credit, which is 30% in 2019, going down to 26% in 2020, the ITC applies to all the related work for solar. So if you're thinking about upgrading your electrical service or doing something like that, and if you did it in conjunction with adding more panels, I believe your accountant would say that the ITC applies. You can get 26% off of that extra work. There's another thing, subtle, but it's really significant. North roofs used to be prohibited in California. You couldn't get a rebate if you were putting solar panels on a north roof. But now it makes economic sense. Why? Because the solar panels have gotten so much cheaper, like a factor of five. I did a quick analysis on this thing called the California Solar Initiative Calculator. This is a good calculator that you can use to see you know, how much energy you're going to get out of a system with various configurations. I kind of took a look at a typical 7,500 kilowatt rooftop solar system. That's 
that's kind of average, and it's tilted at a 15 degree. If that system is tilted at the ideal 15 degrees due south, it'll generate 11,200 kilowatt hours a year. If that system is on the north roof, on the opposite side of the house, due north, still tilted, it would get 8,600 kilowatt hours a year. And if it were on the west or east roof, it would get about 10,200. So what's interesting is the north orientation, yes, it will generate 30% less energy for the year compared to due south, and 18% less energy compared to due west. But heck, if you have an unshaded north roof compared to a partially shaded south, south roof or east or west roof, it might make a lot of sense. So in many cases, people are adding panels on the north roof. Now, when you're adding more panels, obviously, you have to make sure that your inverter has the excess capacity. You can add sometimes a few panels to existing strings, but inverters have an, a limit of the AC rating, and typically, you can't have more than 20 or 30% of the DC rating compared to the AC rating of the inverter. So if you have a 7.6 kilowatt inverter, that's kind of the standard for 200 amp surge. It's kind of the most popular inverter. It can handle maybe 10,000, 11,000 watts of panels on a DC rating. You have to look at the manufacturer's specs. So you got to be careful about that. If you're making a bigger addition, part of that addition is going to be a new inverter. We'll talk about that in a minute because the significance is if it's an old inverter, the ITC would apply towards upgrading that inverter. Whereas if it were just the inverter were to fail and you're not adding solar panels, it's not kosher to claim the ITC if you're not adding capacity. In other words, the ITC doesn't apply to maintenance, it applies to new equipment. Now, depending on the size of the addition you're looking at, you may or may not need a new building permit, and utilities usually require a new interconnection agreement if you're expanding the system by more than about 10%. All right, now, another thing, that this comes up every once in a while, people are removing the old panels and installing new ones. I mean, I used to think this is crazy. Rooftop solar is not like a car that you might want to replace every five years, although I keep my cars until they die. The old panels from reputable manufacturers, they're still working great. I mean, I got customers that put in Sharp and Kiyosera panels almost 20 years ago, they're working great. (laughs) We're upgrading those with batteries, leaving the panels up there. Because these panels were guaranteed to have a 25-year warranty with a half a percent annual degradation, and they're sticking to that. They're good. The only problems that I've really seen are from marginal manufacturers, you know, companies that kind of got started, didn't have enough capital, or companies that did sloppy manufacturing, and I won't go into the details there, where they might have had defective materials. But the established manufacturers, even once in a while they had defective materials, they really really backed up their warranty. They helped installers replace everything if it ever became necessary. I'm happy about that. Marginal manufacturers are companies that might still be around but cut out of the solar panel manufacturing business. They might just ignore the warranty claims, and that's kind of painful. We have to deal with that every once in a while. Now, as far as removing all your old panels and putting in new ones, in some cases, it might make sense. If you have a 15-year-old system or systems more than 15 years old with an old inverter and you want batteries, maybe it makes sense. We're seeing some customers do that. Also, in might make sense if you have older panels from a certain manufacturer that aren't compatible with current inverters. Now, this manufacturer made panels that required positive ground wiring. Now, in the electrical world, negative grounding is standard. These panels had positive grounding. It gave them some extra efficiency. The thing is that they needed special positive ground inverters, which were only made by one or two manufacturers. Those manufacturers aren't making these inverters anymore. So when those inverters die, they would have a lifespan of five to 10 years. There's no replacement inverters. So you have these great positive ground panels. They look great. They work great. The warranty's still good, but there's no electronics to run them. And that's a big problem. So as an aside, if you have one of these older panel systems and your inverter's kind of old, you might want to go see if you can still get one of the inverters, like a spare inverter. Otherwise, when that inverter goes, you're going to need new panels. Now, also, when you put in new panels, 
you're going to need new racking. So it's uh, usually you have to remove all the roof mounts, remove the flashings, and it's tricky to do that in a way that's not going to create leaks. So a reputable installer or a contractor or a roofer is going to be there to seal those old roof mounts. It's possible sometimes that you might be able to reuse the existing roof mounts, but the old, old panels were different sizes and the new panels are bigger, so it's tricky. Okay. Last thing we'll talk about is upgrading your inverter. Now, this happens a lot. Until 2007, most inverters were guaranteed for only five years. They would last, eh, 10 years. Now, most inverters are guaranteed for 10 to 12 years, and I would say, well, last typically twice the warranty. So you can look at those inverters to last 20 to 25 years. Microinverters and optimizers, the little packets of electronics that go on the back of the panels, they're guaranteed for 25 years. So pretty much these older inverters, the ones that were put in with a five-year warranty, great at the time, state-of-the-art, but they're failing. And it might cost you $3,000 or so to replace that inverter with the appropriate wiring with a new one. Not a big deal. Now, as I mentioned before, the investment tax credit doesn't apply to maintenance. So if your inverter dies, you're going to have to just pay for that. You don't get a tax credit. But if you add new panels at the same time you replace your inverter, the ITC applies to both the panels and the inverter. So when your inverter dies, if you can, it's a perfect time to add more panels because you're going to save money. Uh, here's an example. Say you have a 4,000-watt inverter, and you want to put in a 5,000-watt inverter and add more panels. It might be $3,000 cost to replace the inverter, maybe $5,000 for five new panels, total of $8,000. But it's really only going to be $5,600 because you get that 26% tax credit. And so think about it from that perspective. It's really, really useful. So you're really saving a lot of money. Okay. Also, keep in mind, these new inverters, they're more efficient, like 99%. They have built-in monitoring, cellular monitoring. It works a lot better. The software is a lot better. And a lot of these new inverters are fully compatible with battery systems. And that's what a lot of customers are looking for. You know, a lot of times people replace their inverters, so they get one that's battery compatible. Now, microinverters, if you have an existing microinverter system, like an Enphase system, they're great. And you want to add on to that. It's easier typically to add on to a system that has microinverters because you don't really have to, a central inverter to change. The dilemma that we found out is the older microinverters, and I have a set on my house, they've been there for 15 years. These older microinverters may not be compatible with the new monitoring systems that these manufacturers are using or new cables. So you may need to replace all of your old microinverters and replace all the wiring from the panels to the roof, probably not down to the ground, but you're going to need to do some replacements. So it kind of ends up being a lot of work. It was a little bit of a surprise. And also, those new microinverters that you could have put in, you're going to, probably going to take all the old ones out. You're going to have a new monitoring platform that's going to be bigger, better, faster, but it does require some work. Yeah, the other option is if you're putting in a system that requires optimizers. Solar Ridge inverters require optimizers. Other manufacturers have optimizers as options. Optimizers are a good idea in terms of performance and safety. What we're finding, and we're doing this routinely, it often makes sense to add optimizers to existing panels. Now, we're doing systems with customers that have 15-year-old Sharp or Kyocera panels. We can use one optimizer for two of these old panels, and two of those old panels have the same output is one of the new panels, so that's why it kind of works. And now they have a system that's got these same old panels. Still, they were good at the time. They're still pretty good. They are more efficient. They have better monitoring, and they're battery compatible. So there's big advantages there. Okay. A lot of people are upgrading their systems because they're doing a major home remodel. They're adding addition or something, or they're doing what we call an R&R. It's not rest and relaxation. Certainly not rest and relaxation. It's a lot of work. R&R in the solar industry refers to removal and reinstallation of an array. 
day. Now, kind of looking at why you might do that, it's pretty rare. It usually happens 10 or 15 years after the system was installed because reputable solar companies don't want to install systems on old leaky roofs. And there's been a number of cases where when we started working on the system, it looked like the roof was okay, customer didn't have any leaks. And we get up there and we find out that it's spongy underneath and the shingles are kind of bad. And we're like, all right, let's get this roof fixed first. It's a pain in the neck because we had a job that we were starting, but we don't want to have a problem with the customer. So what happens a lot is after 15 years or so, the roof might need to be replaced. And maybe not the roof where the solar array is, maybe the other side of the roof. And keep in mind, wherever the solar panels are located, they're going to shade the roof. Or what sometimes happens is, you know, 20 years ago, the standard was not to use flashings on the roof mounts. So some of the leaking may be caused by really old installed solar systems. Not that the installations were done improperly, it's just that the procedures and the technology were different 20 years ago. So for these R&Rs, or removals and reinstallations, it's a three-step process. The solar contractor typically has to remove all the solar panels and the roof mounts. The roofer comes in and re-roofs. Eh, you might have a, a, there's some companies that actually do solar and roofing. Cinnamon Energy, we just focus on the solar. So the roofer re-roofs, and then the solar contractor comes back and replaces the array. Typically, the solar contractor will store the panels on the side of the house. They usually don't need to take the inverter off, but we'll talk about that as an option later. And when the roofers are done, the solar contractor goes up, puts in new roof mounts, puts in flashing. Sometimes we can reuse the conduit if the layout is exactly the same often we have to put in new conduit and new wiring and then we have to recommission the system so it kind of ends up happening is we have to do all the work to own the system again we got to make sure the thing's working pretty much the way it was when we took it apart now when you're doing these R&Rs there's an opportunity to add panels because if you add panels that's a good time for you to replace the inverter and that's something that we recommend because you're going to get the tax credit on replacing the inverter and also it gives you an opportunity to maybe cover some of the re-roofing costs from the ITC and maybe some of the electrical costs. Maybe that might be a good time for you to upgrade your electric service. Or if you're adding on to your house, you're doing a major remodeling, add a few panels, upgrade your electric service, and you can, you know, talk to your accountant and your contractors, but that might be a way to save a little bit more money in a completely legal way by having some of that work apply to the solar installation. Therefore it would be covered by the investment tax credit. All right. Now, the most popular reason for people doing upgrades, because our phone was ringing off the hook, the power goes out. The next day, when people have power, they start looking around for solar and storage, is adding battery storage. Now, there's two ways to add these battery storage systems. One is to add what's called an AC-coupled system that's going to be working in conjunction with the existing inverters and the existing panels. So there's actually two separate inverters. We'll talk about that more later. Or putting in a DC-coupled system with only one new inverter. You take out the old inverter and you put in a special DC-coupled inverter or hybrid inverter. It does both. Now, the choice depends on pretty much your existing equipment because sometimes our options are narrowed down and there's different prices for doing this depending on how you want to approach it. Now, the DC-coupled systems are preference because they're more efficient when the solar power is on the roof it's dc that dc can then go converted into ac or that dc is added directly into the dc battery ac coupled systems are less efficient only by like five percent or so but it's material because on the ac coupled systems the battery is charged from ac power that comes from the other inverter so you're actually rectifying to dc and then you're going back so you're losing there's kind of an extra set of round trip I also like the DC-coupled systems because you have just one inverter to mess with, one set of software. AC-coupled systems, 
since you have two different inverters, often from two different manufacturers, you have software that's doing the monitoring on the solar system, and you might have software that's doing the monitoring on the battery system. And, you know, just it's the, the more hands that are involved in software and firmware and controls, the trickier it is to manage. So I have a strong preference for kind of getting everything from one manufacturer that can control it. They may not make every component, but inside their box, it's all labeled, and they handle all the software. You know, in terms of these DC-coupled systems, the most popular manufacturer is SolarEdge. There's others on the display at the SPI, Solar Power International Show, in October. But SolarEdge is the market leader, although they've got other companies that are starting to nip at their heels. So in terms of adding battery storage, if you have an existing SolarEdge system, it's pretty darn easy to swap out the old non-storage SolarEdge inverter and put in a new SolarEdge inverter. And as I said before, it's a good time to add more panels. This is usually a pretty straightforward swap. You don't really need to change the optimizers on the roof. If your system isn't SolarEdge, it's still okay because you can install optimizers. You add optimizers on all the panels. So you have 20 panels, you add 20 optimizers, and that's just some work that has to be done on the roof. You don't have to do any rewiring down. It's just work that's done behind each panel. And if it's really old panels, what we're doing is, let's say you have 40 really old panels, 150 watt panels, we would put one optimizer on every other panel. And so we would use 20 optimizers. So that works out really, really well. Now, a lot of people have microinverter systems. If you have microinverter systems. There are battery storage systems that are coming out that are compatible with microinverters. Enphase has got that announced, and it looks like it's coming out next year. It looks pretty good. So you could add that Enphase system. We're going to talk about that later because it's going to be AC coupled. Or if you're in a hurry, you could take off those microinverters and put in optimizers. Now, the tricky issue with any time you're talking about a DC coupled inverter is what's called the rapid shutdown requirements in the National Electric Code. Now, starting in 2020, every system have these rapid shutdown requirements, which means that there's a remote switch down at the inverter or the switch for the inverter itself that will turn off all voltages over 80 volts under the array within 60 seconds. So one way to do that is with electronics for each panel or every other panel. So if you have microinverters, if you have optimizers, it's kind of built in. But if you don't have those electronics on the back of every panel, it gets a little bit tricky to do. So I'm looking forward to seeing how other companies are going to address that. Now, let's talk about AC-coupled systems. Simpler to add the battery, but you end up with a system that's a little bit less efficient. You keep your existing solar inverter. Don't touch it. You add a new battery inverter, and then you have a control box that has an automatic transfer switch in it and a bunch of software. So you basically, typically, you'll have the old solar inverter, you'll have the new battery backup inverter, so the solar inverter talks to the DC panels, the battery backup inverter talks to the battery, the DC battery, and then there's a control box with a transfer switch and software. Both of these things feed into, and that control box will then control how you're moving energy from the solar to the house or the battery to the house or the solar to the battery. It works. It's a little bit more complicated. Um, and, you know, in, in, in both AC and DC coupled systems, when the power goes out, our recommendation is that the power goes to just the power critical loads. Now we start touching on the issue of whole house backup. But before we get there, talking about the AC coupled systems, there's less disruption that needs to be done, but you're going to end up with two different inverters and two different sets of software. And, you know, it's, it depends on your approach. Sometimes it's less expensive to add the battery that way, but you're going to suffer in terms of efficiency and convenience. Now, about whole house backup, both DC coupled and AC coupled systems when you're upgrading, they could theoretically do whole house backup if you have a little pa little house. But for most people, 
what you have to do is you have to put in what's called a, a critical loads panel, a backup panel, because you have limited amount of battery energy and you have limited amount of inverter power. And boy, I mean, just heck, this is a funny coincidence. Just like a, like two days ago, there was a blackout in my neighborhood and power went out and it had been cloudy for three days. So our battery was already down to like 27% capacity. Well, since we were only running the critical things, that battery was plenty to keep things running. It kept our lights on. It kept our internet on. It kept the furnace on. It kept the fridge on. My wife was able to put on her makeup. It worked out fine. Whereas if we were trying to power the whole house when that power was out, that 27% battery energy would have been gone in a flash. It's always important to think, to work with your solar contractor. So ask a lot of questions for your installer or your contractor about upgrading systems. Ask about their familiarity with older equipment. Ask about how long they've been doing maintenance on this older equipment. Ask about other upgrades that they have. And when it comes to batteries, get find out what their battery experience is. Ask about the duration of the system, how long the batteries are going to last, how much backup power they can generate. They should know those answers at the tip of their fingers and, and get some local customer references. Okay, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts. 